Uh, my name is uh, Sean. I'm the student pastor here. If we haven't gotten to meet yet, uh, man, I get to work with students like that. And so my life is great. I'm just going to be really honest with you. So, uh, man, I, I, I'm excited to be here today as we continue in our Jonah series. We're in week two. And if I can be real with you, this Jonah story, it's been hyping me up a little bit, okay? Like, I feel like God's been revealing things through Stephen last week and through the preparation so far that I had for this message today. And it, 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 it's been really cool. So, uh, Stephen, can it off. Stephen, if you don't know, is our senior pastor, and he's an incredible, incredible leader and communicator. Can, can we just celebrate Stephen really fast? Stephen is actually in Florida right now, um, and he's about to have another grandchild. So that's awesome. So we're excited for him. Uh, but man, Stephen kicked it off last week. And uh, just to recap where we were, so we're on the same page going in. Uh, Stephen talked about a guy named Jonah, okay? The book is called Jonah. The main character's name's Jonah. It is not a coincidence. They are the same person, okay? So Jonah gets this very clear call from God. And God tells Jonah, hey, Jonah, I want for you to go to a city called Nineveh. Y'all say Nineveh. Nineveh, okay? And so Nineveh is a terrifying place. Just going to be straight up with you. Uh, How many of y'all have ever seen the movie The Purge? Okay, cool. It's okay. It's okay to love Jesus and see The Purge. It's okay. You can raise your hand. Uh, So The Purge, uh, man, The Purge on steroids is what Nineveh was, okay? So you think you don't want to be in The Purge? Cool. Either did Jonah. And so Jonah said, nope, not going there. And what did he do? Instead, he ran to a place called Tarshish. So Tarshish is comfort, okay? It's represented by comfort. Tarshish is Florida, okay? That's, that's, where, that's where that is. He decides to go to Florida and, sa- and to go to the nice sandy beaches instead of going to the purge. And so he decides to get on a boat and to sail off to this place called Tarshish. And in this moment, God, Stephen talked about how God throws a storm at the boat that Jonah's in with all these people. And these people are freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, we're about to die in this boat. And then they, so they realize in this moment, it's Jonah's fault because Jonah was disobedient to God and decided to go to a different place. God put them in danger, put them in a storm. And so what do they do? Naturally, they throw Jonah off the boat and say, bye, dude, you're out so we can be safe. Throw him into the ocean. And then Jonah begins to tread water and drown. And this is where Stephen leaves us in the place by the last verse of Jonah 1, which I want to recap, because this is how he got set up, the, the guy that he's supposed to lead well and set up for success. This is where he left me with, okay, which was this verse, uh, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate that. I get to preach a message that fully takes place inside the belly of a fish. So that's awesome, right? See, Stephen, uh, it, man, he did an awesome job uh, of setting this story up, and he addressed it last week. Like, if we can be honest, it's a little bit weird, right? Like, we can be real. Like, to have the concept of a dude living inside of a whale for three days, like, that's not something we often think is possible, is it? Like, how many of y'all ever watched Shark Week? Those people don't, are not on there. It's not a documentary, right? They're not telling the story of the time they were inside a shark for a little bit and then came back out, right? No, they're done, okay? Their life is over. And so it's not common that someone sits inside of a whale and, and, and contemplates life for a few days and then gets out of the whale to tell the story. It could seem improbable on paper. And so here's what a lot of people do. Maybe you've done it. I've done it, okay? We read the story of Jonah, and we go, ah, oh, that's cool symbolism for something right? Oh, okay, God, I see you're playing a joke here. Cool. Or what we do is what we do with all the parts of the Bible we don't understand. We just flip past it and pretend it never happened, right? Like that's, that's, that's what we do. But could it be, could it be 
that Jonah was actually inside the belly of a whale. Like, I know it sounds crazy. Maybe you're walking in here, you've never been to church before, you're exploring faith, and you're like, y'all are wild, I'm about to leave. Before you do, before you do, and before we count this story as so outlandish, can we maybe just remember who our God is? Can we maybe just remember who the God that we serve is? Hey, maybe you are new today. Maybe you're, maybe you're investigating God and you're, you're wondering who he actually is. And can I just paint a picture for you? See, the same God that put Jonah inside a belly of a whale is the same God that looked at water and said, hey, let me make this party better and turned it into wine. The same God who put Jonah in the whale is the same God that came up to a blind man, spit in some mud, and put the mud over his eyes, and all of a sudden the man could see for the first time in his life. The same God who put Jonah in his whale, this, this is the God who, who came up to a lunchable, uh, just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and fed over 5,000 people, okay? This is the same God who, who came up to a person who was struggling with a bleeding disorder for years and just by the touch of his garment, they were made clean. This is the same God that took a cross, literally died, and then three days later, literally rose from the grave to new life. This is the same God that took a shepherd boy and just gave him a stone and gave him the power in the stone and in the name of Jesus to go and defeat a Goliath. This is the same God who took a man with a speech impediment cast out by society who allowed him to lead an entire nation to a river and by his power just to separate the waters so they could walk on dry land. This is the same God that made the sun literally stand still. So who are we to say? that this God couldn't have somebody swallowed by a whale for three days to get back on the right path that they were supposed to be living in. Before we count on our God, let's remember that our God is a God of the impractical. Well, the God we serve is a God of the impossible. And maybe, just maybe, he steps into Jonah's life, into Jonah's story, in an impractical, in what seems to be an impossible way to grasp him, to catch his attention, and to say, hey, remember who you're serving. Remember who you're walking with. Hey, maybe in your life right now, and you're walking through some circumstances, and they feel really impractical. I mean, your life feels impractical, right? We try to plan for life until life happens, don't we? And then all of a sudden, we can't anymore. Maybe for you, life feels impossible right now. And can I tell you that there is good news for you this morning? Man, the same God who did all of those things, the same God who rose someone from the dead, the same God who rose from the grave, the same God who made a blind man see and fed the 5,000, that's the same God that wants to chase after you today. That's the same God who was in your impossible situations, the same God who moved in improbable ways then, wants to move in improbable ways today in your life, and all we have to do is turn to him. See, Jonah, he was thrown off the, thrown off the ship. I mean, as, right before he's swallowed by this fish, he's in the water. He's treading water. He's trying to avoid drowning. No land in sight, no light to be had, no life preserver ready. He's drowning. And I got to imagine this moment, he feels like he's never going to get out of that circumstance. He just feels like he's drowning. And is that how you walked in this morning? Like you're drowning? And maybe you're a mom in the room today. 
And on top of taking care of little kids all day, every day, I mean, your anxiety is high and finances are really tight and you're, you're paying bills, not knowing where the money's going to come from. And, 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 and in this moment, you're battling internal comparison and internal worthlessness and you're hopeless and you feel like you're drowning. Maybe for you, you're a dad in the room today. And man, you feel like you never get to see your family because you're out trying to strive to get to a place to feel security for both who you are and your family because you want them to grow up better than you did. And so you're striving to hit this sales number that is really high and business feels really slow. And so you're battling this internal battle of worthlessness and not feeling like you can actually be the provider you're called to be, but you feel like you don't have anybody to tell about it and you feel isolated and alone and your worth right now is being defined by, by what's happening at work not what's happening in the words of your if your God and right now you feel like you're drowning maybe if you're a young person in the room today in between trying to battle the social standards that social media has set for you and trying to battle dating pools and how to navigate following Jesus along with life and trying to get into colleges and and, and make your parents proud and all of those things together when you feel like, man, it's just too much. You don't know how to continue. You feel like you're drowning. Just like us, when Jonah in this moment, he feels like he is drowning. But God doesn't allow him to stay there. God doesn't allow him to stay there. He sends a lifeboat in the form of this fish to rescue Jonah from the drowning and the death that maybe he deserves in his disobedience and rescue him to bring him back to his purpose. See, the first thing that we need to realize is the fish isn't a bad thing. It's actually a blessing for Jonah. And if you think about it, I don't know about you, but if, I, if I'm Jonah and I see a massive fish with its mouth open coming to swallow me, I'm not thinking it's a good day, right? I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, this is how I planned my Tuesday afternoon to go. No, that's not what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is, oh, my gosh, what is going on? A fish, I'm inside a fish, what's going on? But what we need to realize about the story, so often we can look at this, at the fish of our life, right? The place that we never expected for God to put us in as the bad part of our life. But in reality, maybe it's actually a blessing to rescue us from where we're trying to run that is going to lead to death, not to life. See, Jonah, in, the, in this moment, he's rescued from his disobedience. And could it be that God equipped an obedient fish to rescue a disobedient man to bring him back to his purpose? See, the fish is a glimpse of the light of hope that there's still a way back. There's still a way back to where God has called Jonah to be. And so I want to ask this question this morning. I want for us to think on it and reflect on it as we're in our time together. Could God be offering me a lifeboat? Could God be offering me a lifeboat this morning? Hey, maybe you're in the room today. And man, you're, you're, you feel like you're drowning. You feel like there's no way up. You feel like there's no oxygen left to be had. And can I tell you that Jesus is the lifeboat that God has offered for you to bring you back to your purpose and the life that he created you for? 
And instead of trying to struggle our way out, what if, what if we just looked to God in faith? See, Jesus, he drowned in the death and the sin that we deserve so that we could live and walk in the lifeboat that is his resurrection and have life for eternity. And all it takes, all it takes this morning is for you to put your faith in him. All it takes is for you to look at God and go, God, I believe you are my hope and my strength and my refuge, and I'm going to run to you today. I'm going to surrender to you today, and I'm going to believe today that you are, have the best for me. I'm going to stop striving on my own. And you're my God, and I'm going to follow you. What if God has a lifeboat for you this morning? And all you have to do is to surrender the struggle of trying to stay afloat by yourself and fall into his arms and allow him to direct your steps. See, Jonah's rec- rescued by the lifeboat of a big fish, and he's saved from drowning. I, mean, I don't know, now though, Jonah finds himself in his, this whole new predicament, doesn't he? He's inside of a fish. Can you imagine the, the terrible situation that is? I mean, how many of y'all have ever uh, walked past the fish aisle on a 9 o'clock at night on a Tuesday afternoon at Kroger? It doesn't smell good, does it? No. Okay, maybe you've been deep sea fishing, you've been in a fish market, like, that's not a smell I want to be around. I'm going to throw up. But in this moment, man, this is Jonah's shampoo and his aftershave and his shaving cream and his toothpaste, okay? It's not a good situation. And Jonah's in, in, in a whale. There's not light in a whale. I can't imagine there's light, right? It's got to be dark, and it, there's darkness that's flooding him. It has to feel like solitary confinement for three days. And it's not like he's just sitting in a chair, lounging back, waiting to be released. No, he, he's inside of a whale, meaning that everything else the whale's eating is coming in to, to meet him where he's at. And he's probably being thrown around by the waves inside the whale. And every time the whale turns left or right, Jonah runs left or right. And he doesn't know where, which way is up, which way is down. There's no way he's getting good sleep. He's restless. And in this moment, I got to imagine Jonah has a, a strong case of motion sickness. Y'all ever have motion sickness before, maybe in a car, on a boat? Yep, cool, me too. Now, every time I go fishing, I get motion sickness, so that's awesome for me, right? And I take medicine. I have these little wristbands on. I have this, like, little thing. And apparently, they're supposed to work. I don't know how they work. It feels like, like magic or something. I don't get it. But the pressure points, are, I, don't, I think they're just, just charging money. I don't know. But in this moment, right, I have all these things. Jonah didn't have any of that, right? He's just getting thrown, thrown, thrown back and forth. And he's motion sick, is that how your life feels today? Do you feel motion sick? I mean, do you feel like, oh, I, I, I keep trying to stand up and, and get some footing, but every time I do, it feels like another wave knocks me down, and I'm getting thrown left and thrown right, and every time I stand up, I get thrown down, and every time I'm trying to lay down, I get thrown up, and I can't figure out where God is calling me. This is where Jonah finds himself. And so how does he, rea- how does he respond? How does he react in this moment? I want to look through Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, and we'll see his response to God as he's in the belly of a whale. Jonah 2 says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of a fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. My life was fainting away. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I wish the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I want for you to imagine this moment of darkness and confusion that Jonah is living in in this moment. And what is his response? Is it complaining? No. Is it pouting? No. Is it weeping and trying to hide from it? No. Is it just begging God for him to get out of it? No. Jonah turns to prayer. In the middle of the belly of a whale, Jonah turns to prayer. After running away, after walking in disobedience, he has a moment where he says, enough is enough. Today, I'm going to turn to prayer and tell God, what I think of him. Maybe that's your go-to today. Maybe for you, the step for you today is you need to stop trying to do all these things on your own. And you need to take a posture of surrender in prayer. See, Jonah's first response in this moment was to pray and surrender to God. He realized, hey God, you're bigger than me. Hey God, you're stronger than me. Hey, God, you're more powerful than I am. Hey, God, you are way more all-knowing than I am. So why am I trying to do it alone? I'm going to surrender to you. And so church, today I want to ask a question. Are you surrendering in a posture of prayer? And while you're in the middle of the belly of the whale, are you surrendering in a posture of prayer? I mean, do you look to God in those times? Or is your first instinct to look to the bottle and to the pills, to that website? Do you just pour out your words, whether they're good or they're bad or they're confused or they're depressed to Jesus? Or do you hold them in and internalize them until they come out in an outburst to your wife and kids in a way you never would have expected? And do you pout? Do you fear? Do you cry? And do you spend unbudgeted money on things to try to fill the void and the gap so that you can maybe for a second forget about that you're in the belly of a whale? So Jonah's approach is to stop trying to do it on his own and to begin to surrender in a posture of prayer. So maybe today you need to stop trying to pull yourself out of the storm and enter into the place of surrender. Maybe the step God has for you today is to surrender. Maybe you need to get on your knees and surrender to the only God who has the power to put you inside of the belly of a whale and the only God who has the power to get you out of the belly of a whale. See, what you may not know about this prayer that Jonah prays, it's actually really cool. Every word of this prayer is not Jonah's. They actually, all of these words come from different psalms that have been written before him. 
And so what's happening in this moment is that Jonah is remembering that at one point in his life, he had memorized different psalms, and those are the words that he begins to say to God. If you don't know about the book of Psalms, let me tell you about it for a second because I love them. There's 150 psalms in the Bible. If you've never read them, maybe that's your step today. You should dive into the book of Psalms. What they are is it is a book full of prayers, a book full of prayers, prayers of confusion, prayers of rejoicing, prayers of, of complaining to God, prayers of asking why, prayers of seeking the face of God, prayers of saying he is awesome, prayers for all conditions in, in life. And what I believe God does to the Psalms is he gives us words to pray when we don't have the words to say. He gives us the words to pray when we don't have the words to say. And in this moment, Jonah, he doesn't have the words to say. Can you blame him? He's inside of a fish, right? Like, he's got to be confused. But what his heart knows, what his mind knows, what his soul knows is is reminded of is the word of God that is already written on his heart way before the storm. And so he has words to pray. And do you know who else uses, uh, uses psalms in the moment of despair? Jesus. And Jesus is on the cross. He's, he's sitting there, nailed to the cross, very close to his final breath. And he says this, this line. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe you've read it before, and a lot of people would just look at that and go, oh, why is he doubting God? But no, actually, what Jesus is doing is he's tying back to Psalm 22, verse 2, because it's written on his heart. He might not have the words to say in that moment, but he says words that have already been written because it's written on his heart. And what that actually is doing, if you go back and read Psalm 22, to, is it's showing the beauty of what's to come, that there's, 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 there's this uh, death for a moment, but life is coming, and he's fulfilling this foreshadow that happens in the Psalms. But why is he able to do that? Because the word is written on his heart. Why is Jonah able to pray in the midst of the most impossible circumstances? Because the word is written on his heart. See, what Jonah knew is this. Jonah knew the word of God could be his lantern in the midst of darkness, Jonah knew the word of God could be the lantern in the midst of darkness. And in Psalm 119.11, it actually, the promise of that is this. It says, I've stored up your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And there's this purpose for stirring up the word of God in our heart. And Jonah does this, and the Bible begins to be the roadmap that leads him back to hope. And do you feel hopeless this morning? You feel like you're in an impossible situation where there's darkness and you don't have the words to say anymore. And maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you and your spouse have been sleeping in separate bedrooms for a, a long time and you have no idea, you avoid each other, you have no idea how to, how to mend that relationship. Maybe for you, you're parenting your kids and you keep telling them the things of Jesus and the things that you did that they shouldn't do because you've already lived through the consequences, but they're still doing them. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. How do I get my kids back to the Lord? And maybe, maybe for you, I mean, you're in this custody battle right now and you feel like you're losing hope this morning or you're in between jobs and you're not getting the second interviews you expected to get and you feel hopeless without the words to say to God. You're just like, God, why? And Jonah, he memorized the Bible and he had it written on his heart and the same opportunity is before us today for us to have a light in the midst of darkness even when we don't have the words to say. God's given us the words. We just have to begin to write them on our hearts. So I want to make this really practical for you today. 
Man, our amazing team here at Stone Creek has written a Jonah Devo that's on the YouVersion Bible app. And there's a card that looks something like this that maybe you got on the way in. We're going to go ahead and throw a QR code up on the screen. And what I want for you to do is I want for you to scan this one or, or scan that one. And this is a Jonah 2 plan. If you did Jonah 1 last week, congrats. We have more for you. For you. You're welcome. So scan one of these. And what it's going to do is it's going to take you to a website. It's a launching page for you to get to the Bible app. Okay, and you can choose. We even let you uh, choose favorites. Okay, so you can walk through it with me, my personal plan. It's on there, or, or Ryan Rohan, his personal plan's on there, or, and Stevens is on there. And we all know you're going to pick Steven, but he only has 150 slots. Okay, you got to pick one of us next. All right, and I, I, this is second service. You're late. Maybe he's already full. I'm available. Okay, I am. You can. You can, you can go into mine, all right? And what we can do is we can, we can read through it together, and we can comment together, and we can pray together, and we can begin together to, to write the word on our hearts. Because what's true about this is, is the word isn't just meant to be read when we're in times of trouble, right? A lot of the times that can be our approach, isn't it? Like something bad can happen, and we can pull out the Bible and be like, all right, God, speak. Sarah, tell me what to do. You know, and he doesn't because we don't even know where to start most of the time, right? And so, you know, that's not how the Bible is supposed to work. What, what Psalm 119 says is to store up the word in our heart, meaning before you ever get to the storm, there should be the, something written on your heart that will be the roadmap to help guide you through the storm and back to hope. It shouldn't be waiting till we get there. It should be navigating what we've already know and our hearts already believe to get us back to the place of hope we belong to. I mean, Jonah, in this moment, he walks in this, in, in this posture of confidence. He walks in this posture of confidence. I mean, he, in his prayer, he's praying words where he believes, and something in him believes that this isn't the end of his story. See, Jonah knew he would be set free even when all he saw was isolation. Is all you're seeing isolation right now? What if there could be a way to still be set free this morning? See, Jonah, he has confidence in this moment. He has confidence knowing that this isn't the end of his story. And there's a future hope. Church, are you walking in confidence this morning? Are you walking in a posture of confidence? When first Jonah walked in a posture of prayer. And now because the word was written on his heart, he's walking in this posture of confidence. And we see the hope of this all over what he's praying, right? I want to go back to a couple lines that he prayed in his prayer. If we can go ahead and throw those back up on the screen. It says, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. He says, I'm driven away from your sight. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And no one would have blamed him if he stopped there, right? Like on paper, he's, his life's not going well. He almost drowned. He almost died in a storm. And now he's inside of a whale, okay? It's not going well for him. And, and so no one would have blamed him if he stopped there. But Jonah knew something. Jonah believed something. Jonah had something written on his heart that sent him to a future hope. Where, where no one would have blamed him for putting a period at the end of that si- si- sentence. I'm driven away from your sight, period. It feels like you are. What he does is he says, no, 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 no. God's got something else for me. See, instead he continues the sentence. I'm driven away, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Oh, there's bars all around me right now. 
Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Could it be that there's a yet where you're trying to put a period in your sentence right now? And maybe you're like, yeah, my life is chaos. Where you're trying to put a period, God saying, no, 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 no. I have something else for you. There's another chapter for you today. Because if you don't know, man, we serve a God who doesn't give up on you after one try. I mean, he's a God of second chances and third chances and 87th chances and 500th chances. He was chasing after you, and he's going to do whatever it takes to bring you back to him. And he's saying, hey, son, hey, daughter, look at me. Stop trying to put a period where I'm just letting it be a chapter in a long story that I'm writing in your life. Could there be a yet that you're trying to dismiss today? I mean, maybe for you it looks like I'm drowning in anxiety. Maybe you're trying to put a period there, but God's saying, no, no, no. You're drowning in anxiety, yet I'm your wonderful counselor. Maybe for you today, it's my finances are so tight right now. I'm so stressed, yet my treasure is in heaven, and I believe I serve a God who's going to give me more than I could ever ask for and more than I could ever imagine. Maybe for you, it's, man, I didn't get that job I wanted. I didn't get into that college that I, uh, that I wanted to get into. Yet, man, I believe that God's ways are higher than mine. God's paths are better than mine. And God's plans are going to lead me to a life greater than anything I can ever make for myself. See, the firm foundation of the person of Jesus creates a way for there to always be another chapter in our story. Jonah believes this. And Jonah prays this. And Jonah postures himself in confidence towards this. And look what God does in verse 10. It says this, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. First of all, ew. (laughs) Second of all, I mean, this is a sign of God's faithfulness to Jonah. He's saying, hey, yeah, I know you ran away. I know you were disobedient. I know you tried to do your own thing. And yeah, it led to you almost drowning in the ocean. But I saved you. And then you began to posture yourself in prayer to me. And then you began to posture yourself in worship and in confidence towards where I'm taking you. And so yeah, I'll deliver you into freedom. I'll take you there. See, God, he has grace upon grace for you today. In the book of John, it says that when we start to follow Jesus, we receive grace upon grace. So what that means practically in our life is that when we mess up, God gives us grace. And we mess up again, and God gives us grace with a side of grace, topped with grace, all on top of more grace. Right? He gives us grace when we run away, grace when we deny him and turn back. He is a God of grace. Why? Because Jesus already took the punishment and death we deserve so he can look at us as his sons and daughters and say, hey, I have nothing but grace for you because I see you how I should see Jesus because I, let, Je- I looked, let myself look at Jesus for a second how I'm supposed to look at you. And now you can walk in life. The story isn't over. It's never over because we have a God who is immovable. And hey, maybe today your life feels shaky. Maybe today your circumstances, they feel really shaky today. And you don't feel like there's any, if you feel like you're getting tossed back and forth in the whale. 
But God is saying, hey, look to me. I'm a God who is immovable, and my hope is secure. And maybe you feel like you're being thrown back and forth, and maybe right now your joy and your hope it fluctuates based on the stock market or your bank account. And God's saying, stop. Your circumstances shouldn't control your hope. I should. I mean, the cross should. So to be honest, we all need hope, right? Hope is like oxygen. We need it to survive. And God is saying, hey, I have hope that is immovable in me, regardless of what's going on around you. You can stand confident, a posture of confidence, just like Jonah did. I mean, there's one more posture I want to talk about today. And it's, it's a reminder of the story of Jonah. I mean, it reminds me of the story that happens later in the New Testament in the book of Acts. There's this guy named Paul and this guy named Silas, and, and they're followers of Jesus. And what they're doing is they're literally going around places who don't know Jesus, and they're telling them about the gospel. They're telling them about Jesus. And it's so much so that it leads to this persecution of their faith. And Paul and Silas, they're thrown into prison. And maybe, because uh, I know that a lot of this message, we've talked about the people who, in the room today who have been disobedient, who have run away from God, who have set their face away from Jesus. And a lot of us, that's true, and we need to come back and posture ourselves in postures of worship and postures of confidence. But for some of us in, in the room today, I mean, we are reading the Bible every day. And some of us, we are praying every day. We are seeking Jesus first. It, it is our natural inclination to run to him yet we still find ourselves in places like Paul and Silas did when they were in prison. And it can be so easy for us to go, God, what the heck? Like, I feel like I'm doing all the right things and I'm still here. Like, you're still allowing for this thing to happen in my life? And it can be so often we can sit there and complain and be like, God, what the heck? I'm going to try to break out of the bars because I'm trying to serve you. Why are you letting this bad stuff happen to me? But do you know what Paul and Silas do? They take a different approach. Instead of feeling bad for themselves and questioning God, what they do is they posture themselves first in prayer and in confidence and then in a posture of worship. Check this out, Acts 16. This is about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, posture of prayer, and singing hymns to God, meaning they had to be pretty confident, posture of confidence and a posture of worship. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. They were free. But it wasn't the circumstance of freedom that, that drove their worship. It was the God they knew that they served who drove the postures that they stood in. And guess what? God delivered them to freedom. Hey church, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where your story is. I don't know if you feel like you're running away towards Tarshish right now. You feel like you're drowning in the ocean. You feel like you're locked inside the belly of a whale. Maybe you feel like you're in prison. You're in darkness. You're in isolation. I don't know where you are. But what I do know is that our God is immovable. And the hope that is found in our Jesus should not change based on the circumstances we're walking through. And all of us, together, as a body of believers this morning, we're going to close in an extended time of worship. What our approach should be, should be the same, regardless if we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, because our God is the same. He's the same God who turned water into wine, the same God who rose people from the dead, the same God who gave purpose to hopeless people, the same God who's here right now.
in your life, wanting to run to you. So we're going to close, and very practically, I'm going to ask that you enter into a posture of worship. Maybe for you, that posture of worship looks like putting your hands in the air in a posture of victory. Maybe you've always wondered why people do this. It's because we are proclaiming victory. Hey, God, you are a God of victory. And regardless of my circumstances, I know that doesn't change you. You are victorious. And so I'm going to worship you in victory. And maybe for you, it's getting on your knees. Maybe you've seen people do this. You're like, what the heck are they doing? And this is a posture of surrender. It's saying, God, hey, I've been trying to control things my own, for, on my own way too long. Man, my life, it's a mess right now. And I know it's probably because I'm trying to drive the ship. And today I'm just going to hand over control to you and surrender to you. And I challenge you. Let's take a posture of victory or a posture of surrender as we close out. Let me pray for us. And we're going to worship our king together. Hey, Jesus, I'm grateful for you, Lord. I'm grateful for who you are. And Jesus, I... And I just pray today that we would step into and just obedience in you. Lord, if we feel like we're drowning, Lord, I pray that we realize you're trying to send us a lifeboat in the person of Jesus. And if we're in the belly of the whale, Lord, I pray that you, that you would remind us that you're a God who wants to bring freedom and brings us hope even when we're trapped there for days. And Lord, I'm grateful that you're a God of the miraculous and you can break chains in your name. You can set us free in your name. You can deliver us to dry land in your name. And you're a light in the midst of darkness. And for some of you in the room today, I mean, this morning, you, uh, you've never given your life to Jesus and you've never had that immovable hope. And your hope is very shaky right now. And can I tell you, there's a God who's immovable and his hope is beautiful and he is calling for you today. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. So if that's you, man, I want to pray this prayer and I ask that you pray it with me. Jesus, I need your hope. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm tired of running. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the grave so I could have life. Today I decide to follow you for the rest of my life. Would you be my hope? And if that's you, what we like to do here is celebrate life change. And so we ask, um, count, to the, count to three, and I want for you to, man, if that was you, to put your hand in the air in victory and let's make eye contact and celebrate together what God has done this morning. One, two, three. Amen, I see you. See, come on, dude. Jesus, I love you. And we're tired of running. We're ready to stand confident today in worship of our King. It's in your name we pray. Amen.